Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here is how my guest on today's show reintroduces himself to the world in his new stand-up special. The pandemic was so long, I transitioned. <laughs> gas station attendants my entire life calling me sir were right they were right <laughs> they were right they knew me and they loved me before I could love myself <laughs> this is the last laugh I'm Matt Wilstein from the Daily Beast and that was River Butcher discussing his transition in a different kind of dude which premiered on Comedy Central earlier this year and is currently available to stream for free on YouTube. River, who uses both he, him, and they, them pronouns, has managed something pretty remarkable in this new half hour. Unlike some other comedians who have turned trans people into a punchline, River finds comedy in the issues surrounding gender identity without ever punching down. I was really eager to talk to River about what makes his comedy so essential at this particular moment in time, and I think we ended up having a really compelling conversation. So let's get to it. Here's me with River Butcher. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really loved your new Comedy Central half hour, uh, A Different Kind of Dude. Um, Maybe we could start with the title. How did you arrive at that (laughs) title for the special? Oh, sure. First of all, thanks, Matt, for having me. It's really great to to be here and talk to you. And thanks for watching the special. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, so the title, it's funny because I feel like I still might use this title, but it, it I, at this point, it's like I kind of already used it. So before I even like had the offer to do this special, before I even had that the offer to do this one, I was starting in my mind to like try to put something together, you know, um, because it was the pandemic. And so I had a lot of time to think about stand up as opposed to do it. But um, I had this title come to my mind, which was uh, not that kind of guy. So that was like my <laughs> guiding principle, you know, Um and so then I got the offer to do this and I, you know, it's a half hour. It was in the pandemic and just a different situation than I thought I was going to be building towards just in my mind, you know? And so I didn't want to use that title partially because I felt like I still wanted to use it. But in the special, I say it's just a different kind of dude. <laughs> and so it's like something that I just say, it's like not the main thing, but it is the main thing, you know, like that is just the sort of thesis of the special in general of just like, it's not just me. It's like, there's just all kinds of dudes. There's different kinds of dudes, you know? <laughs> so like, there's just all these possibilities, you know? So that's kind of where that came from. 
Yeah. Um, so you have a joke pretty early on in the special where you say the pandemic was so long I transitioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was curious if you felt like this was a kind of reintroduction of yourself to to an audience in a way and, and sort of, you know, presenting yourself in a, in a new way. Oh, like 100 percent. The funny thing is, like, it's it's a funny thing to do because I'm not that I'm not that widely known as a comedian or anything. But but at the same time, it's like I also am known, you know, to a certain degree, you know, like I and I don't even and really by know certain, by a certain type of comedy fan, too. Right. Exactly. Precisely. So it's like that thing where it was just something that I tried that I thought would a work for people that knew me you know, and B work for people that don't know me that they go like, Oh, that's what's going on. You know, like that. It just is like this, this, um, I don't know. Like a lot of my comedy is just the, the thing about not being like a cis straight white guy, but I would also just say like a cis straight guy at this point, ultimately, but the boundaries are blurred a little bit. Right. But, and I would even say not being a cis straight white woman, at this point also it's like if you're bringing something a little outside of the <laughs> of the thing to the table you know specifically just being queer it's like something and queerness is like not something that's so weird for people to see anymore you know it's not it's not like and that wasn't the case 10 years ago when i started doing stand up you know it was still like okay you know it was still like kind of weird a little bit um but that has changed in the matter of like the 10 years that i've been doing it and so it's not it's not like it's weird for a queer person to be on stage doing stand up but it's still new for a lot of people to be experiencing a queer person especially a gender queer person whether that person is non binary or trans or any combination of that if you're gender non conforming it's just like new to a lot of people so i always feel some some impulse or like desire it's not even that like somebody else is making me do it i would just like to address that you know because like it's something that in my experience of my own life i couldn't it couldn't not be addressed at me and so now when i'm on stage i have the i get to do it when i want to do it you know and i get to do it the way that i want to do it so that's kind of like the long answer to your question of like that's why i said that because it's like it's it's I both don't look that different and completely look different. You know, it's like all these things that this, you know, there's the different kind of dude again, too, where it's like sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, I've always looked like this. And then sometimes I'm like, wow, I look very different. You know, <laughs> so it's like just kind of funny, you know, so I, I, I wanted to make it funny. You know, just like a funny, like, let's have fun. <laughs> and it is really funny. And you also have some really funny material in the special about using they them pronouns which is something that I feel like has become, there's been other comedians who've made jokes about that <laughs> yeah. in a very different way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do use they, them pronouns. Thank you so much. I <laughs> Usually people, you know, lift me up on their shoulders and carry me out into the streets. As... So, I mean, kind of timid for me. But whatever. I will be canceling you all later. That's fine. None of you have jobs or social media, so <laughs> next time, clap! Just kidding. <laughs> I do, I mostly use they, them pronouns these days just to keep people questioning whether they really want to talk to me or not. And it's something that you've actually talked about on stage, you know, even before this special, I think you've had jokes about it. Have your, have your feelings or, or perspective on that 
um, evolved over time, do you think, in terms of what it means to use those pronouns and, and how you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because even, I mean, that's something that's funny about doing a special, you know, if you're not, I think, at like some really high level. I feel like high level comics, like they make a special, it comes out pretty quickly, you know, but like I was a part of, you know, a group of people similar to like, uh, like I listened to your interview with Naomi Ekparrigan and same for her, you know, it's like you do it and then you're like, okay, I guess it might come out. You know? yeah, like, at some you point. Kinda, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's all part of like the fun to me too. It's like, it's all an experience, you know, and I'm really grateful to be a part of like, it's, this is a, this is a tangent. I promise I'll come back in. No, yeah. um, Go for I'm, it. <laughs> I'm really stoked to be a part of this like slate of comics that stand uh, that uh, comedy central is doing. It just like it's really personally affirming to me to be a part of this like crew of people because I feel like we're all sort of generally in the same like era or time zone of starting and doing comedy. And so anyway, so back to the pronouns thing, my whole the whole reason I brought up the timing of it is like I did that and then I literally started going by an, a new name after that. Yeah, and I was going to say using, that the name in the back of the stage is not know, the name that yeah. you are currently using, right? Yeah. And like, here's the thing. I like, I, uh, and, and I, I hope I don't sound like I'm taking myself too seriously when I say this stuff, but I just, you know, there's part of me sometimes that wishes I could, you know, like go through this social transition, you know, on, in my own, like in my house behind closed doors and then just come out and be like, hey, this is me now. Here we go. Here's the paperwork. Here's all this stuff. I did it. I did it. I did it. But like, that's just not that's just not my path. And I get to do it super publicly. And I also get to give my space myself the space to do it super imperfectly, <laughs> you know, and like, hopefully somebody sees that and goes like, Oh, I don't have to do this right away. I don't have to, I don't have to have all my ducks in a row before I go exist out in the world. And like that, has been something like doing this this way has been really helpful for me to not to like let myself do it. Um, like I needed to go by RB before I could go by river. I just needed that time and I needed people to shift and I needed, I just needed it, you know, like I don't even really have words for, for what I needed about it. I just needed it, you know? And there's something about seeing that in the background that I'm still like, yeah, that's cool. You know, because my old name still exists out in the world and I don't have control over that. You know, it, I just have to trust that people will be respectful enough to like not use it, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and people for the most part are, but it's like, it's a, it's a big learning curve and I get it. You know, I get it. People had a really hard time with, with Elliot page, you know, but that was like, you know, I think that they know that they're doing that too. It's like when you live in a, in a public way, you get an opportunity to sort of share that, you know, um, that experience. And so all that is to say, like, those aren't the primary pronouns that I use anymore. You know, um, I still use it. Like I, I'm like he, him and they, them, like either one of those is great. There's just, you know, a third one, which shall not be named. And that's the one you don't use. But like, <laughs> I needed to do that to get to where I am now. You know, it's all like it, it I, that has just been my like personal path. And so to get back to jokes, it's just funny that you bring that up. And, you know, this stand-up special was recorded, you know, almost a year ago at this point in, in July. And 
you know, I'm like working on more material, like going into some of those things a little more in depth, because when I recorded that, that stuff was all really new to me. Obviously not the pronoun stuff, but like transitioning and changing and all that stuff was very new. So like, I still want to expand those ideas and those thoughts and jokes and stuff. Um, But it's funny because, you know, there's comics that like, you know, the tone is very detached and the tone is very ironic and like shitting on people that use they them pronouns or pronouns, period, as though they don't also use pronouns. You know, like it's a thing that everybody uses. It's just so so sorry we're making you think about it for an extra second. <laughs> it does feel like ultimately it's a generational thing and that I think there's hope in the fact that it's changing in the as people you'd sort of age up and age out. That, oh, hundred percent. Like it, it's changing. You know, I have someone in my family um, who's sort of the generation below me who identifies as non-binary. And mm-hmm. you know, so I've seen the struggle of people to understand that and, and, you know, just feel like they're, they can't deal with it, you know? Yeah, um, of course. And so, yeah, I mean, why do you, why do you think it's so hard for people? And do you see that changing? Well, I mean, I'll start with the last part first. It's 100% changing because as as much as I lament, you know, it's it's the famous comedians, it's the most rich comedians, it's the most like affluent comedians. I wouldn't even use the word successful because success is is uh subjective. But it's the people who have the most to lose that they perceive the most to lose that are the most upset at other people gaining any amount of anything, right? Um and so when I look at like I was saying, the the slate of comedians that I'm a part of, which is way bigger than even this crew. You know, when I just like, when I look out and I see my friends who are making things, right? Who are like Alex Edelman or Naomi Ekparrigan or, uh, you know, Janelle James or, uh, Will Miles or Clark Jones or Kenny DeFort, like all, all these people, there's a long list of people, Amy Miller, Marcella Aguelo, like people who are working comics, who are thinker, thinking, creative people. These are not people who are shitting on (laughs) minority (laughs) people or marginalized people or oppressed people. They actually are beginning to, or are, are already working towards, the opposite of that, you know, so like most of the people that I know, you know, Robin Tran, like there are Grace Freud, there are all these people who are not doing that. There are more people who are not doing that than people who are doing yeah. it. So Even if the, I, the people who are doing it have a larger platform or get more. They attention. have a larger platform and their entire cottage industry is creating outrage. Their business, that's their business model. And so like, of course, you're going to do that. You're making money off of it. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but like once you once you stop once the money does not become the 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 A1 driving factor, you know, of what you're doing, obviously people need to get paid and survive and and all those things. So, I'm not going to act like I'm not trying to make money, but my I'm trying to put something into the world, you know. That's what I would like to do as opposed to I want to make X amount of dollars doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um cuz if that were true, I would never work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like uh, it's it's about something else, you know, and I, I think that that is true for a lot of the people that I'm doing stand up with. Um, but to get back to, you know, you asked, like, why is it hard for people? Um, I would also just take the opportunity because you said you have somebody in your family that um, identifies as non-binary. I would offer just a change in your own thinking and language of this person is non-binary is non-binary. Yeah. Yeah. 
And because that's something that I've been doing in my own, like just language and realizing like, oh, I don't identify as this. I am, you know, um, because the identifies as implies a choice that sometimes creates some distance for people. Right. Um, yeah. Which is no, not to say that sense. it isn't a choice. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it isn't, but there's like this, you know, especially on the right or whatever, you know, that it's it, like with with the stuff that's in Texas and North North Dakota and Mississippi and Arkansas and all these states that are make, making it all sorts of degrees criminal to be trans. A lot of people, I think, and even well-intentioned people who disagree with these things are like, well, why can't you just wait till you're 18? And why should you? Is my question. <laughs> Why should a person have to wait till they're 18 to be who they are? Um, and so that's ultimately why, you know, and it, it's just like one less step removed. It's actually just like, because, you know, you wouldn't say you identify as Matt, you know, <laughs> you say I'm Matt, you know. And so, like, it's just that sort of closing a little bit of a gap, I guess, uh, in thinking. And like you said nothing wrong. Also, by the way, I just want to no, offer no, I, it. And so, I, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate, you know, um, getting your perspective on it. Yeah, because it's like something that I've changed in like a year, you know, so this was something that I was saying. And we used to say preferred pronouns and like that's not a thing and it's like what yep. are your mm -hmm. pronouns so it's a similar vibe of that you know of just like yeah, this person the is. distance yeah exactly uh and so i i ultimately i think you know cisgender people have a hard time accepting these things or thinking about them because it's making you think about something you literally haven't thought about since you were a kid <laughs> you know or or like just haven't really had to deeply think about you know and that is the gap, you know, of just like, oh, because, I, you know, I want to hear people talk about their experience of their gender as a cisgender person. That's, in, I mean, also, I hear about it all the time. There's comics that are like, women be shopping. And it's like, yeah. you're talking, <laughs> you're doing the same material that I'm doing. You just think mine is weird because you, you, it's got an extra words in it or whatever, you know. And that's, to me, like, ultimately what I'm trying to do is, like, bring those two things together. It's like, it's actually all, there's not, like, cisgender people over here, trans people over here, and it's like, it's all just kind of a mix, you know, we're all in this thing together on this little rock floating around. But I think, you know, that's, you know, the, the gay rights movement, which crescendoed in 2015 or whatever, which isn't over, but it's just like, clearly the trans liberation movement is sort of like, hey, they're shitting on it. You know, it's like, it's just everything is, is in constant motion, but that's, I feel like, what was happening with that. It's like as soon as people start to be confronted by, oh, heterosexuality isn't the center, you know? Um, oh, cisgender isn't the center. Like, even the idea of being cisgender is like most people don't even think about that. They just think there's men and women and trans people, you know? <laughs> and that's, it's actually that there's men and women, and within that there's cisgender and trans versions of each thing, you know? So it's like, and then people get upset because they, they're thinking about something new and it's scary, and so they're yeah, like, fuck scary this. scary <laughs> and confusing. And they, yeah. I don't want to think about this. I just want to watch golf. And it's like, I get it, man, so leave me alone. <laughs> if you don't want to think about it, then don't think about it but you can't make it illegal you can't make thinking about it illegal yeah you know? yeah <laughs> like that, or talking about it or acknowledging right. it yeah yes exactly um i feel like all of this whole conversation kind of relates to a tweet that you posted that really <laughs> caught my eye a few weeks ago um, yeah i don't know if you're going to know which one it is but <laughs> probably I'll, I'll read it um you said, kind of wild how outlets want to talk to me about other comics, transphobic specials, but aren't interested in talking to me, a trans, about my own special. <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to make one. sure I want to make sure that we talk about your comedy. Oh, but yeah, I do no, want to, I... but I do want to 
you know, also admit that, you know, I, I do want to talk to you about that stuff because I feel like you're uniquely qualified to talk about it, but I know it's also very frustrating for you. So I, I would love to hear sort of more about why you posted that and, and why, you know, why is it so frustrating that, that people maybe only, you feel like they only reach out to you to talk about this stuff that we're, that we are talking about right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm also like, we're talking about it within the context. We talked about my special first, which I appreciate. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like, I just, you know, it's like both, both and, you know, like I, I understand I am specifically qualified to talk about it i guess you know um but it's kind of like it's just when you feel like the only time it, it creates this binary where there's comics and trans people they did it with rape jokes too like i remember um you know they would have a comic on. like i think i think a show had jim norton was the comic and lindy west was the the feminist, you know, it was like, it creates this binary as though, and I, I, I think it's changing because people are asking me as a trans comic to talk about it. But I think what's frustrating is that, and it's not just about me, it's that there are trans comics and the support just isn't there because we're not firing at the same level as somebody who's, you know, making millions of dollars for a special. But I guess that's ultimately what's frustrating. And you could make it about anything um, that like, I just, you know, and I'm also, I'm not naive, you know, like PR is paying for a lot of this stuff. And most trans comics that I know don't have an extra 40 grand laying around to pay somebody to like ring people's bells to talk about our specials, you know? So, like, I also get that. But I guess it's just, like, an awareness of, like, this thing that happens where, like, I, you know, people don't want to talk to me about the thing until they've got another reason to talk to me, you know, of, like, well, what do you think about what this guy said? And then also just as a comic, you know, and I felt it, it's it's not a new feeling and it's the reason why I don't really do it when people ask me and I try my best to not comment on the specials online either is because you it... it feels as though it deteriorates your comedy because now I'm just now I'm just a person who's commenting on comedy. I'm not a comic. You know, I I begin to you like are getting turned into a comedy critic. That's right. Because I'm not, you know, those guys, you know. I'm not in that I'm not in the boys club. I also don't want to be in that club, you know. But I don't I don't want to take my I don't want to put myself at odds with it either. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to constantly be put in the crosshairs of it because it puts you there. <laughs> it re it puts you there. Hardcore. Um, yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah. If you do say anything about it, I'm sure there are certain people who are responding to you on social oh, media and in a in not a nice way. There's a whole world of of uh, things that I don't see. I'll put it that way. <laughs> On purpose. Yeah. And also that I don't see because I don't, I don't seek them out, you know, but there's like all this stuff that people are beginning to see online of like proud boys and white nationalists and Nazis and the hardcore transphobic, you know, fake doctors that go on podcasts and stuff like we've been knowing about this. And when I say we, I mean, there's like a whole contingent of comedy of comedians who are marginalized people who have been aware of this stuff because we can't not be. It always is coming at us, whether we look for it or not. And I think that's also the thing. It's like, I know not to jump in front of that bus anymore, <laughs> you know? And so that's why I would rather, that's, I guess, ultimately what was 
behind that tweet is like, I'm making stuff. People are making stuff. If you really want to make it, if you really want as a, as a journalist or, you know, whatever, as a writer, if you really want to make some equity, which is not what it's all about necessarily, but if yeah. you as a person want to do that, you know, want to try to create some parody, you're going to have to give the marginalized people a little extra leg up over the people who are making millions of dollars off of like hate because they know people like it. Like, I don't even know if these people believe what they're saying. It's not, it doesn't matter to me, but it's the path that they've chosen, chosen to um, create. Yeah. That's and so, the feeling that, yeah, it's definitely the feeling that I get from someone like Dave Chappelle, whose name we haven't mentioned yet, but is that it's not that he has strong feelings about this stuff. It's that he knows it will get a rise out of people. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I, you know, I haven't watched that special because I've just heard enough about it that I'm just like, hey, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, I think that that person is is uh, some uh, uh, someone who considers a lot of things, and I think he's struggling with some stuff. I I actually give him a little bit more than other th than some other folks, um, a little more space. But I don't I don't condone it. You know, that's not me condoning it. Um, because you know, there's a world where you work out your feelings like not on stage. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's been plenty of things I've gone through in my life that I realized like, oh, this is this is not something to be talked about publicly you know um but not everybody feels that way you know so um but i do think that 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 special was placed into the public sphere to generate exactly what it generated i, I do Definitely. think that was purposeful and that's that's probably all i'll say about that coming up river looks back at the early days of his comedy career and later shares why it meant so much to be one of the only comedians to ever perform stand-up on Ellen. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our conversations with other stand-up comedians like Tig Notaro, Ron Funches, Cameron Esposito, and everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, do us a favor and please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to River Butcher. So, I mean, let's go go all the way back. You know, how did you start performing comedy? Um, so, 
like comedy as a as a wide open thing i the first time that i really did something that would be like comedy was i was in sixth grade and i was in odyssey of the mind also known as om to those in the in the know it, it's very i'm not it, in the know <laughs> no it's very like kind of culty when you look back at it and i somebody sent me um somebody that i went to elementary school with who i was on the team with her and her mom was the coach she sent me a photo of us like at the the weekend uh thing the competition and i have like an om shirt and i posted it and um because it's a very like i don't have you know being a particular age and i guess maybe socioeconomic person i i don't have a lot of like candid photos of myself like most of the photos of myself as a kid it's all yeah it's all posed right yeah posed or like i know who's taking the photo and and like it's my mom it's my you know whatever so it's like they all kind of look the same and then this one was just so like striking to me as like a trans person to like kind of see myself as like i was like oh i was a little boy like for sure <laughs> you know like you go like it's something you you feel in your mind you know and then you get the opportunity to like see a photo of you like just like in the moment and you're like oh right yeah no that's legit and then i started doing improv when i moved to chicago like out of spite because <laughs> some people some people I was friends with, they started doing the writing course and then uh, another one of them did the, start doing the improv stuff and we were sort of breaking up as friends, you know? So, and it was really uncomfortable. They would like kind of, um, like brag about it in front of me, like not to me, but like in front, like kind of make me feel like, oh, you're not a part of this thing, you know? And I was like, well, I'll show them I'm funnier than they are. But <laughs> and I, and I'm so grateful for it. I, I'm glad that I went and did it by myself because I had to meet people. I didn't, I wasn't just like isolating with these friends I already had. And I loved it. I loved Second City. I absolutely loved it. You were you just started taking classes there, and then did you yeah, end up I, uh, I performing just started there? Taking or? Classes? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. Like <laughs> they they had these rules to uh, for auditioning for the conservatory where you had to like have some credits, and I didn't have those, and I just believed them, so I didn't try. And I went with some people from that class who wanted to keep doing it, and we went to uh, I.O., which I don't even know if it exists anymore. Yeah, um, I'm not sure, but yeah, Improv and we Olympic, right? Yeah, 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 we started doing that, and they break you up. Like, you don't get to stay with your class, like, they on purpose. But my first, my first like, um, level, I met somebody, uh, his name's Goodrich Gavart, also a comic, and we got along really great, and we were, um, we, like started talking about podcasts that we liked. And now this was 2010. So yeah, like it's early podcast, most land. people didn't even know what a podcast was. And so we had this like instant connection over like comedy bang, bang. And it was comedy death ray at the time, you know? And so like, we were just like talking about that stuff and like slowly, but surely convinced each other to start doing stand up a couple months later. And we went to uh Cole's open mic in Chicago and signed up for that and just kept convincing each other not to leave. You know, he would be like, I think I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go. And I'd be like, no, you got to stay, man. And then I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go home. <laughs> and he'd be like, no, man, we're almost there. Because we had to wait <laughs> till like two in the You sign up, you would sign up at five and you would wait until 10, 11, 12, one in the morning to do three minutes. <laughs> so what was that? What was that like the first time you got on uh, stage to do stand up? The first time I did it, I remember I have a vague a vague imprint of what it looked like. And it was very late and there was not a lot of people in the room. Um, but there was people in the room, which is atypical for an open mic <laughs> regardless. 
Um, and I just remember being like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. Because I'd been doing improv and I really liked it. But then the more you do it, the more I did it, at least. They were like, don't be funny. And I was like, but I want to be funny. I'm funny. <laughs> so, like, why, why am I here? Like, I could go take a Meisner. Like, and that's what the people were saying. Like, go take a Meisner class. And I'm like, mm, I just want to be funny. Yeah, I just want to make people what you were laugh. Going for, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to learn how to, like, like, sew a shirt accurately for, like, stage object work or whatever. Like, I really just kind of want to make jokes and make people laugh, you know? So that was, like, the feeling. It was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing, you know? And I, I remember not, I was so nervous the whole night. And then as soon as I got up there, I wasn't at all, you know, it was yeah, like, it just all a, went away. That's a good feeling, right? You know, when you, it was a great when feeling <laughs> when, when those nerves go away. Yeah. And that's still the same. Like I, I get less nervous when I'm, I, what's funny is it's coming, it's coming back now because after the pandemic, just because I'm like, I haven't done it regularly in so long, but I, you know, the nervousness is like, it's so different. But it still exists because you have a physical body and it's your physical body is scared of what you're going to do. And and you're like, no, man, I'm I'm cool. And then your body's like, but we need to poop. And I'm like, I don't think we do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then but every as soon as I get up there, it's gone. You know, it's so wild. Even if I have a bad set, I'm still like, well, whatever. (laughs) You know, it's it's wild. What what was it about stand up versus improv that you thought that you thought that was what you wanted to do? Um, I mean, originally it was like, oh, I get to talk now, (laughs) you know, and like some of it is a little egocentric, but I actually really like the relationship of uh, that. I, I like to strive for with an audience. I think it's similar to what people who are really love improv and do it. And I've done it. I got to do it one time since, and I felt it was fun, you know? Um, but the thing about improv that's different in standup is that you're not, you get a suggestion from the audience and that's it. Then you're in your own world. You know, it's very like, it's, it's cohesive and you're staying in there. Um, and you're performing for the audience, you know, but for me, when you're doing standup, there's like, when I'm not in it, I'm just doing something and there's nobody there, you know, like if I'm not feeling it or in the pocket or whatever, in my own experience, but when I'm like really doing it, like we're having... And it happens in that special. It happens where that guy has this like outsized reaction to my pointing out the size difference of truck nuts and the truck that they're on. <laughs> I know. And, I was going to ask you about that. It's this very odd moment in the special where you get, yeah, it's not getting heckled, but it's it's like no, getting heckled. <laughs> which is what happens to me. I rarely get heckled. Now I'm saying this and I'm probably going to get heckled, but I rarely get heckled. Um, that is what happens to me more than anything where people have responses that are outsized that then draw so much attention that they cannot be ignored, you know? And I just did not know what was going on for that guy. Cause also it's a taping. So a little bit like at a taping, you do sort of lock into, I'm not going to talk to the audience here. Cause I want this, I want this to, cause the thing about um, the comedy central taping is I had one shot. Really? I didn't, you don't, they I don't, didn't they do, don't do two. That was it. No, that was it. Almost all stand up <laughs> specials you do too, right? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like good I, luck I'm, i know i'm so happy with it but i i do wish i would have had a second one because i all the things i missed some things in the first one because like we were coming out of a pandemic and i i ran the shit out of that as much as i possibly could but man was it hard to <laughs> stage i mean naomi covered it too it's like it was just such a wild time and i was like what a gift to get this opportunity at this particular time 
I'm not going to turn it down, you know, because like that was the thing I was I've been working for since I started. Even before I knew I was working for it, you know, I auditioned for those a bunch of years in a row, and then so it finally came, and I was like, all right, this is just hard mode, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Um, I mean, maybe this is maybe this special is the answer, but do you feel like you had a a first big break in your comedy career, something that came to you that you really you know were excited about and could take advantage of into the into the next thing? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like when you say that, I have an initial reaction, which is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. This is it. And it's everything. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, each it's thing. literally <laughs> everything. When I think back, I'm like, I remember getting asked to like I was just weirdly looking through my inst i was trying to find literally a photo from 2013 so I, that's how far back i went on my instagram oh, wow, yeah. so i actually just went back through like all this stuff that you're asking basically oh that's and, convenient like, <laughs> i know it's how convenient uh and i saw a photo of me and my friend goodrich and then another comic uh stephanie haas from uh chicago we all started together basically give or take and i was opening for uh dan telfer his album recording and that was like, and it was at, um, it was a big venue. I can't remember what it's called now, but that was like a huge deal to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I've made it. I've made it, you know? <laughs> and like looking back through all these things that people asking me to do and like, like Paul F. Tompkins having me on, I mean, Paul F. meeting Paul F. Tompkins was like, oh my God, I've made it. Like, I know this, like, and we're like good friends now, you know? And well, yeah, like especially him, if you're a comedy Bang Bang fan, that must have been I very know, <laughs> I know. And he, like, him in those early days of podcasting, like, doing improv and listening to him on all those shows, because he was, you know, the guest on fucking every yeah. show. And he was just, exp- like, people would ask him, how'd you get your start? And he would go through it, and I would listen to it every time, and I was like, huh, how can I do this? And that, I was like, this is how you do this. And it sketched a general outline of how to do it. And so I got the like physical experience doing improv at, at Second City of being in a room with strangers, a small room with a small group of strangers, and learning how to be vulnerable in front of people and getting to know them and appreciating them and appreciating their choices and uh, watching them appreciate mine. And then listening to somebody go, this is how I did it without knowing how to do it. And then when I stepped onto that stage at Kohl's, I was like, I kind of know how to do this a little bit, you know? And I also wasn't, you know, 18 or whatever, which I also respect. I was 28 when I started. So I had a little bit of, you know, personal, like, just life experience that I was bringing. But, you know, Paul F. Tompkins asking me to be a correspondent on No You Shut Up was, like, incredible, you know? And then, like, getting to make my own TV show, incredible. Uh, Being on Last Comic Standing, incredible. (laughs) You know, like each thing is is a big break when it happens. Each thing was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I guess I just, you know, it's funny. There's always that carrot or that brass ring of like big break or whatever. But I actually today, like in this, it's like, oh, it's all just incredible. Like, I can't believe I get to I still I still cannot believe I get to do this, you know, because there's a world where I just I still I live in Akron, Ohio, and I work retail. (laughs) And that's it. You know, like that, that is what I thought I was gonna do. You know, I really thought that was all I I could do. Because that's what I was presented with. So every day that and, and there is no shame in living in Akron, Ohio and working retail. It's just that I get to, I'm actually living out my dreams like every day and it's pretty incredible. So like, it's all bonus, you know, (laughs) it's like all a bonus. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned you're you know getting to make your own show, uh, and that was t- uh, Take My Wife, which was on uh, CISO, um, which is a R. show I, I, really, I really enjoyed. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> oh, CISO. Thanks. So yeah, sad. I liked it too. Um, and you know, I, I was thinking about how so much of your career was really tied to uh, Cameron Esposito, and you did this live show together, and you did the the series together, and you do talk about your divorce in the new special. Um, was that a hard decision to? to talk about that on stage or was it um, just something you knew you wanted to address or, or how did you think about that? Well, you know, that is one thing um, that, you know, I came up with the joke and it's very separate from, and it's just a joke. <laughs> it's not, it's not personal. <laughs> it's, it's not at all. And that's very purposeful um, because, you know, just like out of respect for both and all parties, I don't really talk about it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it for that. I got divorced in the pandemic. Anybody else? A couple of people. Great, great job, everybody. Good job. I love you. Good job. Yes, queer people are getting divorced. What's next? Divorcing your dog. You make me sick. I love that joke so much. Uh, I really want like a right winger to be like, yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. I mean, is it, does it, is it hard? Does it make it hard to, you know, think about all of that work now? Or do you, you know, think about it um, in a positive way or. Yeah. I mean, I think about it in a positive way, you know, because um, I'm really grateful for it. It's like, it's a part of my story. It's a part of their story, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I just happened to go through that Instagram. Like, I got to watch so many people do stand-up at Put Your Hands Together. I got to watch people's careers happen <laughs> at Put Your Hands Together. People got representation at that show. People got Netflix specials at that show. So many people that I met who, like, would tell me that listening to that got them through this, got them through... Like, there were people that were in... The military, they were like they got that got me through boot camp or like recovering from surgery or what you know whatever, um, and that was a cool thing to do you know. And then the show, like I just was in Toronto working on a pilot for FX, and I got to I I wasn't in it, and I got to just be behind the camera, which was like a really awesome experience, and it really brought back a lot of memories from making Take My Wife, and I got to think about all those people that helped make that show for two seasons because it was two two full two. Two full different crews of people, like, you know, 200, 300, 4, I don't know how many people. There are people I never got to meet that helped make that show, you know? So, like, it's everything is always bigger than it seems, you know? And so there's just, like, so I, I have in doing comedy has created such a big life. And I, I it's, it's easy to forget because you get so focused on achievement sometimes or, like, I got to get this next thing. If I don't do this, then I'm not this and all this stuff. And, like, when you really slow down, like I was saying, like I, I look around and I see the things that my friends are making and I stop being so worried about all the evil in the world because there's a lot of really good in the world and there's a lot of like really kind and loving and caring and compassionate, creative people who give a shit, <laughs> you know, who are trying. And like, it's, it's cool to be a tiny part of that, you know? And like, both of those shows, uh, Put Your Hands Together and Take My Wife, are just like a small piece of that, you know? And like, 
I uh, the same goes for take my wife. People have told me like you were the first person that I saw that looked anything like I felt, you know, and that's a f- cool job, man. That is a that cool is job. Very cool. <laughs> Very I'm very so. grateful for that job. What's the uh, what's the FX pilot? Can you talk about that? Or I, I think I can say what it is. I mean, it's announced, so it's it's not like a secret. Um, it's called Belated for FX. And what's the uh, what's what's your role on it? And what's the what's I'm a the writer. Show about so mm-hmm. like I'm a writer producer on it, and uh, it stars Cal Penn, Ellie Taylor, and uh, Caden Kearney. Um, and it's a, a late in life coming out story for Cal Penn, and then an intergenerational sort of like queer friendship between Cal Penn and Caden Kearney's uh, character, uh, trans non-binary person, young person. So yeah, super fun. Right up my alley, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be more yeah, my well, alley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what uh, I beyond maybe that show, and and now you have this special out. What are the what are the things that you really want to be doing in the uh, in the entertainment industry and comedy? What are your what are you looking ahead to? Well, I would really love to expand on the half hour and do an hour. You know, that would be fun. <laughs> I would love I would, to do I that. I would like to see it. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, I would love to do it, um, and maybe get two tapings for it. But I don't want to yeah. be too greedy. Um, no, I think you got to you got <laughs> to insist on those two tapings. You got to get a stuff. couple. And also, I don't mean to. I, I'm like everybody only had one shot, so all of these specials are like this. I, I just bring that up because it's like everybody was ready for it. You know what I mean? You only get one swing. You better make it good, and you better swing. You know, it's like I didn't want to take a fastball down the middle looking like I'm, I'm going to swing through that thing at least. But um. I, you know, I would love to do an hour and I, you know, have really enjoyed working on this pilot. I would love to act more and I've been getting some new, some like voiceover opportunities. So that's really fun, you know, to do that. And, um, yeah, just keep working basically in whatever capacity the universe sees fit. Let's go to our final segment now. It's called the first laugh and I'm going to run through some firsts in your career and, uh, in your life about comedy and oh, wow. uh, see, see what you have to say. So, okay. Feels like a quiz show, Matt. It's a quiz show. Yeah. I'm going to get, <laughs> it's multiple choice. No. Okay. Um, the, uh, do you remember the first piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard as a kid growing up? Um, yeah, I, it's a toss up between because I, I watched a lot of stand up as a kid, like very young, like on v, there was so much stand up on when I was a kid. And I do remember like Ellen DeGeneres was like the first stand up that I really saw and was like, this is so funny <laughs> when I was like seven. You know, she like I remember I had that experience, the, too. Yeah. Yeah. The airline food bit of just like and I also had no context or understanding for why this would be funny. So that's. Also, why I like jokes like this, where like the the airline food, like with the grill marks on it, like who are they kidding? Like the captains up there, just how are they liking <laughs> yeah. them back there? And like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means as a seven year old kid, but I do know what how do they how are they liking them back there and making it look really tiny is really funny, you know. That's so like funny, it yeah. even works if you don't know how an airplane works because I didn't get on an airplane until I was eighteen, so. Um, that's a funny joke, you know? Do you remember the first joke that you told on stage that really worked, that really connected with an audience and that you could keep going back to? Uh, I mean, I think the first joke that was really a joke that I could, that I knew was like, oh, this is a thing was uh, my parents have been divorced for a long time. I was born in August of 1982. They got divorced in September of 1982. <laughs> like to think I had a little hand in that. <laughs> a little tiny baby hand. And then I hold up my hand. And like that was the first, it, it just like was a joke. <laughs> 
you know, it wasn't like a thought, you know? Um, and so then I like built a bunch of stuff around that, you know? Yeah, that's great. You mentioned Last Comic Standing, which I believe is your first uh, TV credit. It um, is on on IMDb. It is. Uh, so, what do you remember about that experience? What stands out? Oh my God, I remember so much. It was such that was such a crazy experience, and also again, same thing with like being a part of this thing that was a bunch of comics that I like still not like. You know what's funny is the comic that was up before me is Dusty Slay, who was also in those half hours with Naomi Ekparrigan. Like, isn't that cool? Yeah, very cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. and we had this conversation. I got my nails, uh, like, clear-coated because I bite my nails. I've I've been stuck with it for my whole life. And he does, does too. And we were talking about it. I was like, I, yeah, I put this shit on my fingers so I won't <laughs> bite my fingernails. And then it aired, and there there he was going like this and I was, and he sent me a picture and he was like, man, you had the right idea. <laughs> and like, I remember that. I remember, um, I remember Anthony Jeselnik coming back and talking to everybody and only shaking my hand. Oh, wow. Which was like a wild experience. Um, because he, because he respected he, you, you the most he, or what? <laughs> he knew me. I don't know. He was pulling some, you know, pulling some Anthony Jeselnik stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> I remember that it went, really badly <laughs> like i did my set and roseanne screamed at me and she screamed write some fucking jokes and uh they didn't air that because the producers were like who are you know like friends they were like hey this is not and and it was a consistent it wasn't personal it wasn't only me there was like a lot of like wacky responses from her um you know like amy miller again a comic in the group of my thing she was also on that season of comic last comic standing and she's a little different than i am she like brought it to that and like made a moment out of it you know uh but mine i was just like okay uh all right this is what's happening and i just took it you know so anyway so they um the producers were like you know this is not we didn't bring you guys out here for this to happen this is just what's happening but we you know we promise it's gonna we're gonna make it look great and then they did and it was this moment that like to me some like hillbilly and cynical person from akron could have very easily been like this place sucks they're just like trying to hurt you and like giving up but it gave me this opportunity to realize i wasn't the only person going through it like we all did i still have a lot of friends that went through that and then somebody like kept their word who really like they didn't have to do that, you know? But like they would have been good TV to have Roseanne yeah, screaming at you, just yeah. screaming at people. Yeah, of course, people would have loved that. But that's not what they did because that's not what they were trying to do. You know, they were really trying to put a, a product out there with like a diverse group of comics. And in 2014, they did a great job, you know. And so it just taught me that like, oh, there's good people out here, and like I'm still friends with you know th those producers, and they they are the reason that I did Ellen. The, that I did stand up on Ellen like that, that connection there is what created that connection in 2019. So like, that's just five years later, you know, I didn't realize you did stand up on Ellen. Ellen doesn't, doesn't I did. have a lot of standups. I know she doesn't. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. <laughs> it was, it was a very, very big deal. The sort of, uh, assigned gender identity I have these days is you work here, right? <laughs> Everywhere I go, people think I work there. People always ask me, you work here, right? And my answer is always no, because I don't. And then their follow-up is 10 times out of 10. After I say no, it's, are you sure? <laughs> oh, you know, I do come to this Target quite a bit. Also, 
if I'm not sure I work in the place that we're currently in, I don't think you want to be asking me any more questions. <laughs> I am not your guy. Yeah. What, what did that mean to you? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, it was like one of those moments where you just sort of feel the, it's like the, the loop. It's not like it closes, but you're just like, wow. You know, you feel the thread from, like I just said, the, one of the first jokes I remember is her. Like I was talking about Paul F. Tompkins. Like she is the reason I even know what stand up is, you know, like I, it's like she as a, as an entity, as a stand up. um, such a large p portion of my life, you know, um, and to just be, uh, to, to do stand up for that person because that she thought I was funny. Like, that's, that's why, <laughs> you know, like she was like, you're really funny. You know, somebody that I think is very funny was like, you're really funny. <laughs> so like, I mean, I don't, that's it doesn't amazing. really get better than that, you know, setting aside all the other stuff that's like out there in the world about all that stuff. It's just like, oh, the person that like made this indelible mark on me to come do this is now shaking my hand and doing it and <clears throat> giving me really good notes on my set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. That's you know? pretty cool. Yeah. Like I said, Matt, it's all bonus, you know, like that's a bonus. <laughs> Well, I usually ask uh, about meeting a comedy hero. Maybe it was Ellen. I, I mean, it's definitely up there. Is that uh, the story that you would that you would pull out? Is there are there any others of of comedy heroes who you've met over the years that uh, were particularly exciting for you to meet in person? Um, well, I mean, I would definitely put you know that whole experience is up there. I mean, I tend to not use the, the heroes anymore, but like just like guides is a good replacement for that. But I had this experience of doing Pete Holmes's podcast live at some festival it's escaping me whether if it was sketch fest or like a jfl or something anyway and i was the first or second guest and so i was on stage for the third guest who was emo phillips and once you're like not the main guest you're kind of being respectful of what's going on so i was just kind of like participating just watching and stuff and then there was a moment where pete asked him he was talking i think pete was talking to emo about his favorite joke of emo's and then he asked him to do it <laughs> and he did it. And the audience had their reaction to the joke. I don't remember what joke it was, but it was an emo Phillips joke. So it was funny yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and funny in a very particular way. Um, and, you know, everybody that was there wanted to be there for the, the parts of the show that were happening. And so it was an incredible experience to get to be on stage for another comics reaction. To just fully get to absorb the reaction to an Emo Phillips joke was like, that was an incredible moment to me. So it was less about like meeting the person and that thing. It was like, I, I met their, I got to meet their comedy in an in interesting, energetic got, way. In a, like you got to almost experience what it was like to be them. A hundred percent. I got to like, wild. Yeah. do stand up in somebody else's body. Kind of, you know, like, I don't know. It was very, it was very cool that that's definitely up there but i mean i've i've just i've gotten to meet so many people that it's just like i don't even know how i pin it down but the entire experience of doing ellen doing the show was really pretty incredible like we're running out of time so i can't tell you the whole thing but it was just like the whole experience was like tremendous i can't i mean i got to i got i did a run through and they had me do the full set and i was just doing my doing my jokes for literally ellen and her stage manager that sounds intimidating and all <laughs> I I mean it was it was but I was also like this is incredible I can't believe I'm doing this and my all my friends were watching and I came back in and they were like because <laughs> they knew what had just happened and like I mean I I was doing stand up for Ellen and then she started laughing yeah 
And she has a very distinct laugh. Yeah, and also just watching her laugh, you know? Like, there's one... I've never... I've never done stand-up to one person in the audience. That's wild. Yeah. Not and since and, not and, since and, open mics, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's been a long time. I'll say, I, and, I can't say that never. that one but. person is Ellen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then that one person is the person who, like, helped create you. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> Wow. That's incredible. You know? And then after that, I was like, well, the taping is going to be nothing because I just did that, you know? <laughs> so now, I, I, since I am discovering you late, when did you know you wanted to do stand-up? I mean, I, I will tell you, honestly, I wanted to do stand-up when I saw you do stand-up. Oh. Like, I've watched you do stand-up for your whole career, and, like, you're the reason I wanted to do it. Oh. Well, <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah. Thank yeah. you. So finally, uh, I like to give comedians a chance to shout out other comedians and comedy that's making them laugh. You've mentioned a lot of people already. So many people. So maybe if there's if there's anything else, or if there's any, you know, it could be a something on TV or a com or a comic that you've seen perform sure. live, or, or anything that you just that you that you also want to shout out. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, I don't think this show needs any help, but I will just say I'm really enjoying Danny McBride on the Righteous Gemstones. Like he really does it for me. I love that guy. I love all his choices. He just all the choices are the great choices. Um, but in terms of stand-ups, like let's see, I did shout out a lot of those people. So just like go back in the tape and listen to all those folks. Yadoye Travis has a stand-up has a half hour out right now on YouTube. So you should also watch that. He, I hesitate to even say opened for me. Cause I don't, it sounds like a weird power dynamic, but I did a little like college th festival thing and they had me headlining and he was the comic that went before me and I literally could not follow him. He's very, <laughs> very funny. Um, so watch that. I had another name in my head and then it just flew out of there. Anyway, just like there's so much comedy right now and like people sometimes like loathe that, you know, it's like they don't like that. And I actually think it's fantastic because like there's just so much opportunity. Like if you don't like something, you can just be like, I'll find something else, <laughs> you know, you you don't have to shit on it. You can just find somebody else. Um, who else has Amy Miller's got a stand up, got a special coming out on, on comedy central and Caleb Sinan, another last comic standing. Also, he and I've just been doing stand up forever together. Yeah. I think Robin Tran already mentioned Riley Silverman's great. Um, Jess Tom, like people know about these people probably that listen to this podcast, but you know, there's just so much, there's so many good comics out there who are just like really, the form is changing. There's so much opportunity for you can listen to just like straight up joke punchline, set up punchline. And then there's people who are totally just like ripping everything apart and making it funny. So like, I don't know. There's just so much. There's an abundance and it's wonderful. But definitely support trans comics, you know? Yeah. I'll never run out of uh, funny guests on this show. <laughs> you won't. There's so many comedians. <laughs> you, won't. you will forever have a job doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Thank you so much for doing this. This was a oh, really yeah, dude. Uh, fascinating and funny conversation. And, uh, oh, I really awesome. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Okay, that was such a great talk. So thanks again to River Butcher for sharing so much on this week's show. River's Comedy Central half-hour special, A Different Kind of Dude, is available to stream now for free on YouTube and we'll put a link to it in the description for this episode as well. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. 
And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.